This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation, and welcome to today's Bright Focus Chat, the latest on new treatments for wet MD. Today we're going to spend probably 30, 35 minutes or so uh, learning about some of the latest developments in the field of, of vision science. For, for, uh, for context, people who are new today, Bright Focus funds some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science uh, as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases. We also have a lot of information on our website, brightfocus.org. Uh, today, we will hear um, uh, from Dr. Alicia Menendez. She's a medical director in the U.S. Medical Affairs Department at Genentech. And uh, Dr. Menendez will tell you today about some new developments that, that Genentech has in the field of new treatments. So with that, uh, Dr. Menendez, uh, welcome to the Bright Focus Chats. And uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself before we uh, get into, into today's discussion. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's really, truly exciting to be here. Um, so my name is Alicia Menezes. I am a, an ophthalmologist, actually, and a glaucoma specialist. And I also am a medical director at Genentech. Um, and I work in the U.S. medical affairs um, portion of the, of the company. And really excited to be here and to, to have a conversation with you today. Well, great. Let's just you know, kind of start the thing. Um, how is uh, AMD diagnosed? So that's a great question. AMD is typically diagnosed while visiting an eye care provider um, who performs a comprehensive eye exam or also known as a dilated eye exam. And this type of exam allows a physician to look inside of the eye, and in particular, the back of the eye to examine the retina, which may be affected by AMD. Great. And so I like that you mentioned the term comprehensive eye exam. I know that that's used a lot in, in healthcare settings, but you know, people might not always know what exactly makes it comprehensive. Is there something that people should ask for when they uh, uh, scheduling an appointment, like how does one know uh, that they are getting uh, what is known as comprehensive in the exam? Yeah, so typically a comprehensive eye exam is a full eye exam in which your vision is being checked, the front of the eye is being checked, as well as the back of the eye is being checked. And in order to check the back of the eye, the eye needs to be dilated. Um, you know, we have that colored part of our eye, which is the iris, which becomes, a pupil becomes small when light is shined into the eye, and so it's difficult to look into the eye. And so we often place drops in the eye to dilate that pupil so that we can then get a good look inside of the eye to examine all of the structures of the eye and assess a full comprehensive eye exam. Great, great. Now, um, am I correct that it's, it's the comprehensive exam might show some early risks or indicators for AMD? Yes, that is exactly right. And in addition to 
taking a complete medical history during your visit uh, to identify potential medical or family history risk factors. The physician will also complete this full dilated eye exam to identify potential um, risk factors or disease indicators such as drusen, um, which are small, round, yellow lesions in the retina. And these are characteristic findings of AMD. They're also looking for other potential findings such as fluid or blood in the retina, which also may be a result of AMD. Well, great. And you know, this might be uh, too broad of a question, but you know, for exams that the comprehensive exam that looks at some of these risk factors, when should people start getting those in their life? And is there a generally speaking, a, a frequency that is, that's that's the best practice? Yeah. You know, all adults, even without symptoms or eye complaints, should have a baseline eye examination. And, you know, the frequency of exams following this baseline exam will depend on your age and risk factors that are identified. And so, for example, the AAO, or American Academy of Ophthalmology, recommends an eye exam every one to two years for anyone over the age of 65, even without symptoms. However, if an individual has new symptoms, new vision changes, or a recent injury, they should be seen and examined sooner. So it really depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, on these bright focus chats, and particularly today, we're going to talk about the wet form of AMD. I was wondering if you could tell us sort of what is the wet form of AMD and does it, when does it start, uh, you know, building up? Is this days, months, years, sort of how, how does this come to be and, you know, to the point where your eye exam might notice, might pick it up or a person might notice some, uh, some, some problems? Right. So, wet AMD is often a progression from the dry form of AMD. And the wet form of AMD is when blood vessels begin to grow in the retina. And these are not very healthy blood vessels. They will often leak and cause fluid to accumulate in the retina. And this may affect um, ultimately vision. And I would say it is difficult to predict when dry AMD may progress to wet AMD, but the good news is that only about 10 to 15% of people with dry AMD develop wet AMD. Mm -hmm. So the overwhelming majority of people with dry AMD will never develop wet AMD. However, with our current technology, we really aren't able to definitively predict if and when wet AMD will develop. And this is why um, routine eye exams are so important, to be able to pick up on any changes that may go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and no, that, that certainly is a, a great point. Now, kind of on those lines of, of maintaining and monitoring your vision health as best you can, how does um, either the patient or their or their doctor, uh, how do you look for signs that maybe this wet AMD is developing or getting worse? That's a great question. And I would say that some of the most important information we get 
is from the patient and what the patient communicates to us. So is your vision getting worse? Is the quality of the vision different? Have you noticed any changes when looking at an AMSOR grid? And an AMSOR grid is a, um, is a grid of lines on a piece of paper and they, those lines should be straight. And when you look at that grid with one eye, you're looking for any changes in the grid. Are you seeing a grid of straight lines? Are any portions of the grid missing? Are any of the lines becoming wavy? These are all things that can be done to monitor. And I'm sure that there's additional information on Bright Focus as well as how to obtain an AMSOR grid and what to be looking for. Um, but th these are certain things that the patients can be doing at home or um, to monitor themselves and then communicating any of that information to their to their physician. Um, you know, there are times when the patient tells us what is happening even before we begin to examine the patient. But in addition to the patient's history, we have additional tools to monitor for wet AMD including assessing your vision with an eye chart, performing those dilated eye exams, looking for changes in the retina. We also have many different advanced tools that take images and different kinds of pictures inside the eye that can help us identify if there are signs of wet AMD or worsening wet AMD. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, we hear a lot in different medical settings about AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and I was wondering, is there is that something that is showing some promise in 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 vision in vision health, particularly AMD or glaucoma? Yeah. So AI or artificial intelligence is showing some great signs of potential, and it brings with it the promise of analyzing all of the images and photos that we take in the office and analyzing them in a way that our own human eyes cannot. Um, it picks up on details that potentially we cannot. And so with all of this information, AI has the potential then to make conclusions um, from that data. And mm -hmm. I would say that here at Genentech Roche, we have an entire group that is working on AI and big data. And this group has the audacious goal to predict and prevent vision loss using these tools. And our hope is that with these new tools, it will help us find, you know, the right treatment at the right time for each individual patient. And so it's truly an exciting field right now um, and it's bringing lots of, you know, important science and, and hope to the field. That's great. That's a nice springboard, uh, uh, Dr. Menendez, to, to hear about what, what is new at Genentech uh, for, for families that are impacted by wet AMD. So um, it's a great question. And, you know, we have two new treatments um, one called Vibismo and the other Svimo, um, and these are new treatments for wet AMD, um, and they both recently received FDA approval. Great, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Very exciting times for for the field Great. and for yeah. patients. 
Well, great. Uh, if you don't mind, let's start with the first one, Vibismo. And uh, Dr. Peter, just kind of start telling us about that new product, Vibismo. Sure. So it is a um, very exciting um, to be able to offer a new treatment option for patients with wet AMD. And Vibismo is one that inhibits two pathways. Um, it is a bispecific antibody, which means that it targets two different pathways. The first pathway is VEGF, which we all know very well, but it also has a second arm on the antibody, which inhibits and blocks angiopoietin-2, or also for short, it's called ANG2. And this is exciting because you know, we have known for some time that blocking VEGF is beneficial for the treatment of wet AMD. But in addition, there has been great interest in blocking ANG2 as well, because early studies have shown that eyes with wet AMD have higher levels of not only VEGF, but also ANG2 compared to normal eyes. And early studies also have suggested that ANG2 binds receptors on blood vessels and may play a role in destabilizing these blood vessels, leading to a breakdown and leakage of blood vessels. And this is a main driver of the disease, wet AMD. And so by inhibiting or blocking ANG2, Vibismo is thought to work together and synergistically with blocking VEGF to promote the stability of blood vessels and to hopefully you know, better treat um, what AMD. Well, that's, well, that's fantastic. That, that's great. Um, uh, before we turn to the second product, Suzvimo, Suzy, is there anything else you'd like to, to add at this moment about Vibismo? Um, yeah, sure. So, you know, I think the, the great promise that Vibismo potentially brings is that, you know, the current standard of care for treating people with wet AMD involves eye injections with anti-VEGF medications that are given as often as once a month to prevent vision loss and maintain sight. And the approval of Vibismo is significant for people living with, for example, wet AMD because you know, it offers them a new class of medicine that inhibits two disease pathways, as I mentioned, and has been proven to improve patients' vision just as well as the current standard of care, but with potentially fewer injections over time. And so this has the potential then to greatly impact patients' lives for the better. Well, great. That, that's wonderful. Before And turning to the second of two uh, new treatments that we want to talk about today, SUSVIMO, uh, um, tell, us, yeah, tell us about sure. it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, Sysvimo is a completely different and new approach to the delivery of anti-VEGF medication to the eye. You know, it is a refillable eye implant, which delivers an anti-VEGF medicine called ranibizumab or um, 
of ranibizumab continuously into the eye. And so this is a small implant which has a reservoir and is filled with a special formulation of ranibizumab and then surgically implanted into the eye in an operating room. And this is a typically a one-time procedure in an um, outpatient um, setting. So the patient goes home the same day. And once the implant is inserted into the eye, the implant slowly releases drug over an extended period of time. And the implant has been designed then to be accessed and refilled when the time comes about every six months during an in-office refill exchange procedure. Mm -hmm. Wow. So is it currently, am I correct the way you describe it, it's currently uh, being used in, in doctor's offices right now? Yes, that is correct. Sysvimo mm -hmm. was approved by the FDA in October 2021, and it has been approved for the treatment of wet AMD for patients that have responded to intravitreal injections of anti-VEGF. And so uh, what type of feedback are you getting? How, uh, how has the real-life experience been for, um, uh, for patients uh, and their physicians that are using Sysvimo? Yeah, that is a great question, and, you know, we are greatly inspired by the feedback from the clinical trials and ultimately by the FDA approval of Sysvimo, and we are so thankful to all the patients and the physicians who put in so much effort into the clinical trials. And, you know, in the Phase three Archway trial, you know, we did have a patient preference questionnaire that was administered to patients. Um, and in the Archway trial, patients who participated in this questionnaire, more than 90% of patients preferred the port delivery system or SysVimo to intravitreal injections. And so this was a, a great, um, you know, reminder and reassurance that this is a, a great option or potential option for patients. Yeah, that's great. I think that's that's really interesting. To, I think there's these parallel tracks of the scientific process, the drug development, and then there's people's daily lives. So it seems like this um, this has been uh, you know off to a good start to kind of bridge those those two worlds. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the two products, new products we talked about today, uh, Vibismo and Susvimo, uh, with FDA approval. Um, Any. Other things on the on the horizon for for uh, for you and Genentech? Well, I would say that Genentech is deeply committed to developing treatments that address the unique needs of people living with any vision threatening condition. And you know, we strongly believe in the importance of providing additional treatment options. And so now with this VMO and with the BISMO, we hope to broaden the treatment landscape and offer a meaningful alternative to people living with wet AMD. You know, in addition, Genentech is still researching and developing new treatments for people living with a range of eye diseases that can cause visual impairment and blindness. And this includes additional research and development in wet AMD, as well as diseases like diabetic macular edema or DME, 
diabetic retinopathy, as well as geographic atrophy and a whole host of other retinal diseases. So as you can see, we have a deep commitment um, to ophthalmology. Well, that's great. Now, it really seems like it's a tremendously exciting time for, for vision science. And as you know, uh, Bright Focus uh, supports a number of researchers all around the, the nation and the world on, on AMD and glaucoma. And, and we hear the same thing from them. They're, they're very, very uh, you know, optimistic about the power of science to save sight. And they really feel like this is a, this is a great time for that. And, and I, yeah, I think sort of uh, you know, the, underneath everything we've talked about today are, are clinical trials and how, how this, um, you know, makes these things possible. I've always found that clinical trials, it's a term that everybody's heard of but maybe don't completely understand. So I was wondering if you could just tell us, you know, briefly how, um, you know, how does someone participate in a trial? What's their kind of, what's like the patient experience like when they are a, a volunteer in a clinical trial? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that we try to make the patient's experience in a clinical trial as easy as possible and as close as real life as possible. And I would say that, you know, first a patient needs to have a good understanding of the clinical trial that they would like to become involved in and give their consent and agree to participate. It all begins with the patient. And so, if a patient fits certain criteria for the study and ultimately gives their consent to participate, then the, the patient is enrolled in the study. And depending on the study, the patient may be randomized to the investigational or uh, in investigational treatment, or they may be randomized to a control treatment, which would be the current standard of care. In some cases, you know, there is no standard treatment for a disease, in which case the control arm is a placebo, which is a treatment that is known to have no benefit. And patients are then, you know, once enrolled in the study, they are then followed very closely with doctor's visits and tests, ultimately until the end of the study. And that is like a, a brief overview of what, yeah. um, you know, participating in a clinical trial may, may be like. Well, great. Well, thank you for that, that, that overview. And, you know, sometimes we hear about patients who have a concern that they might be in that placebo uh, arm or placebo track, that their vision might get worse or they might not, you know, um, uh, you know be getting um, the treatment that they need. Is, is there, just wondering, you know, is, is how do you address that, that concern that some patients might have about ending up in a placebo arm? Yeah, and this, I would say, is a very legitimate question and thought. And a placebo arm exists only if there are no other possible treatments available for the disease. It would be unethical to withhold a treatment that has been clinically proven to be beneficial. And what is reassuring is that there are processes and monitoring systems in place to identify if there is a clear benefit of the investigational treatment even before the study is completed. So there have been times in which an, an investigational treatment shows a clear and significant benefit over the control or placebo arm, and the study may be stopped early. And the beneficial treatment then is offered to the placebo or control group 
so they may begin to receive the benefits of the investigational treatment as soon as possible. Well, that's good. No, that's good. That's good to know. And I think that it's just important for everybody to know that the, that what you the the new treatments you talked about today and and others, you know, in the past or in the future are made possible by people who do volunteer for clinical research. And to our listeners, Bright Focus uh, put together a small uh, publication that's available free of charge called Clinical Trials, Your Questions Answered. And it lays out um, you know, some, some, some basic backgrounds, such as Dr. Menendez mentioned today, and gives questions for you, for you to ask your doctor. So this is available free of charge. Again, it's called Clinical Trials, Your Questions Answered. We'd be glad to send it out to you. So again, at the end of the at the end of today's discussion, um, simply leave your, your name and mailing address for the clinical trials guide, and I think it will it'll help um, help answer a lot of questions and that are uh, very very reasonable to, to ask and help guide you in a con for a conversation you may want to have with, with your doctor. Um, and just, uh, uh, Dr. Menendez, um, is there anything else that you'd want to add about clinical trials? Any other, uh, you know, kind of common questions? Um, uh, that people may have about the trial process? Yeah. You know, I think what I would want patients to know is that they are truly at the center and the most important part of clinical trials, and that if they are interested or curious about clinical trials, then I would encourage them to keep exploring and keep asking questions. I think Bright Focus, you've done a fantastic job of being able to provide additional information, so certainly use Bright Focus as a resource. Ask your physicians questions, speak with your friends, have discussions with your family, and try to become as informed as possible so that when the time comes, you can make a decision that is right for you. So keep asking great. questions, is, keep staying curious. Yeah, that, that's great. That is great advice for clinical trials and probably life, probably life in general. Uh, to our listeners, before we before we conclude today's discussion, uh, we'd really like to to get your input about future future topics and future speakers to, to have the bright focus chats be as helpful as possible. So we have a simple uh, one question poll. It is it is voluntary and it is anonymous, uh, and that is um, uh, if you'd like to hear more bright focus chats about today's topic, wet AMD, let us know by pressing one, press two. If you'd like to hear future chats about the dry form of, of, of AMD, also known as geographic atrophy, press three. If you'd like to hear discussions in the future about, about caregiving and, um, and you know, daily life with, uh, with a, a vision disease, and press four for, for none of the above. So again, voluntary op, uh, anonymous survey. If you want to press one for more topics up in the future on wet AMD, Press two to hear more in the future about dry AMD or geographic atrophy. Uh, press three if you'd like to hear about caregiving and uh, and you know, daily life uh, issues. And press four for um, for none of the above. And um, again, as I mentioned to to the listeners, uh, we have several things available free of charge today to help you make the most out of out of today's uh, really informative discussion. One of those is the written transcript. Second is the free Amsler grid. And the third is the clinical trials uh, guide, your, your basic uh, question and answers about clinical trials. So if you're interested in any of those or if there's something that we can help you with, uh, simply stay on the line in a moment. You'll hear a, you'll hear a tone and then leave your, um, your mailing address or, or any type of 
questions and comments, um, you can always re reach Bright Focus anytime at brightfocus.org. We also have a, an 800 number, toll-free number, 800-437-2423. Uh, a couple final notes before we conclude. Uh, next month, May 25th, we have a fantastic discussion coming up about the the role of, of diet, healthy diet or or less healthy diet, and how that impacts your vision health. It's going to be with Dr. Sheldon Rowan of Tufts University in Massachusetts. He's one of the top researchers in the world on the intersection of your diet and your eyes. So that will be on May 25th. Um, uh, that chat will also have a new host. Uh, today is my last Bright Focus chat as I, I move on to a, a different position uh, in the healthcare sector. So starting next month, uh, my friend and colleague Diana Campbell will be your host for, for upcoming chats. And a uh, uh, final bit of housekeeping. Uh, we have a couple uh, partners that we're working with on um, geographic atrophy, dry, uh, that form of dry AMD, working on some, uh, some research projects like related to that. So if you'd like to participate, if you'd like to learn more about maybe how you could be uh, a volunteer in some uh, projects related to, to the uh, dry uh, form of AMD, particularly geographic atrophy, simply stay on the, on the line and, and let, let us know your name and uh, telephone or email. We'll get back to you about those opportunities. So um, uh, to, to close out today, Dr. Menon, I think this has been a, been a really great conversation. I think you've given our audience some, uh, some clear information about two new products, and, and hopefully they, uh, uh, they you know, feel a little more confident about, about where treatments for what AMD are going and have some you know, things they can mention to, to their eye doctor on the next visit. So before we conclude, any, any uh, final remarks you'd like to, to share with the audience? Well, I would just like to thank you for having me here today and um, to all of the people on the line, as I mentioned, um, you know, keep being curious, keep learning, um, and keep using those resources that are out there for you um, to learn more about wet AMD or any other um, conditions. Um, it was really a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for having That's me. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time, Dr. Menendez. On, on behalf of Bright Focus Foundation and the audience, we want to say thank you very much for, for educating us today about two new treatments for wet AMD. And uh, this concludes Bright, the, the today's Bright Focus chat, and we will return on May 25th. Thank you. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.